What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Return of the Horror nice. <laughs> Podcast. Got a little, uh, I don't know, bravado. Like, that was an opera. Yeah. A night at the opera. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Um, that was that. not to be confused with my and one call. No, um, let's get a record deal. Yeah. Anyways, uh, welcome to the <laughs> Return of the Roar podcast. Uh, I am Chris Watkins. Sitting across from me is Frankie Cardicelli, that guy. Frankie, how you doing? I'm great. I mean, I'm better than I've been all year so far. Could it is be? This, this is definitely the best the Kings have played going into a Return of the Roar podcast, yes. correct? Uh, four in a row. Four in a row. On a buzzer beater. I believe six out of the last seven, correct? Six out of the last seven on a buzzer beater nonetheless, which on a game the Kings had no chance winning. No chance. No, chance. no absolutely. I mean, that... You were at that game, uh, to, to quote Michael Wilbon, as he likes to say, I was at that game. I was at that game. Um, you were at that game. I was at that game. And you were even tweeting out, uh, this game is terrible. Oh, it was horrible. It was, it was a very ugly played game. Um, yeah, the, the, I mean, just talk about that, well, really. I, just, I mean, just the, the ending made it seem as if it was, or made it worthwhile, win. I should say. No, it was it was poopy from the beginning. Uh, Cleveland just came out and... and they're on a second out of a back-to-back, too, and they just show they did not care. They didn't give a damn. Uh, they came out, and they were aggressive. Kings were not hitting their threes. Cleveland didn't care. Like I said, they pushed it all the way down to the end. Uh, obviously, we know the Kings woke up in the fourth. Well, by the Kings, I mean De'Aaron Fox woke up in the fourth quarter on another just incredible tear. And uh, We have an interview coming up with Matt George. We're, we're going to talk a lot more about De'Aaron Fox, so we can save that for that moment. But uh, in the last closing moments, really— this, the game was kind of a dud up until that point. I just I kind of saw it as a loss. It kind of looked like the, the Kings were kind of they let their guard down a little bit. It was kind of a trap game, like we talked about. And uh, of course, with about a minute left, De'Aaron Fox had that incredible and one. Rashawn Holmes comes down and gets that crazy Man. we thought game saving block, and it turns out the ball just barely kissed the glass before. And so what was uh, what was the what did people think in the arena? There's not many of you in there, but there's there's really the media row that that you can hear. What initial, was the uh, initial reaction was on the block that that was on on the goaltend. That was a block. We all said that was a block. That was a block. And then uh, they put it up on the jumbotron, and we just said, it "Clearly, was no, bad. that's a that's a goaltend." Do you think uh, this is not really relevant? But do you think Sexton had the intention? <laughs> not had the intention, but do you think he was just trying to get it up on the glass as fast as possible, or do you think he was? I, I, I'm going to say, do you think he was trying to make the layup? Obviously, he was trying to make the layup, but do you know what I'm saying? I think he was trying to draw a foul. He, the way that Sexton took the ball and drove the whole length of the court, number one, embarrassing on the Kings' defense to let him just walk, yeah. get all the way up to the, the basket that easily. Especially, Colin Sexton was the only person doing any In the first game uh, in Cleveland, it was Colin Sexton and JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee was literally traded, I believe, the next day. Yeah. Uh, so he was not here this time for Cleveland, and it was pretty much the same same as that. Yeah, they were very shallow at the at the, uh, the center last night because uh, Jared Allen was out to the concussion. But uh, on that final drive for Cleveland, Cleveland's final possession of the night, just the way that Sexton was able to go all the way down to the other end of the floor, untouched, and get right to the rack, uh, it's pretty telling that no one could, could cut him off, but he's also fast as hell, so... Uh, initial reaction was that was a block. We saw the replay and saw it wasn't. Kings ran out of timeouts, and man, I just... It's like, how many games have we watched where the Kings are in that same situation where they're down by a basket or a point or two, and they have a, a second on the clock, and they have to go the length of the floor? 
It's just kind of like, okay, let's just turn the game off. You know, oh, one hundred percent. I mean, it's over. That's for any NBA game at that point. Any basketball game, I, really. Like, what I was, what before we get to what actually happened, what did you think was going to be the play? Because oh. I was, I was a initially surprised when I saw De'Aaron Fox was the one passing the ball in. I thought they uh, they were going to throw yeah. it and it was going to get tipped up and the game was going to be over. Really? I, I didn't think the I Kings... was anticipating. I saw Tyrese on the right hand side at half court. I thought they were just going to pass it to for him a half and court. Have him take, yeah. I, I really thought they were going to throw a Hail Mary, uh, which is what we did, and I, I just assumed it would be the same thing you see nine times out of ten, or 99 times out of 100 in the NBA, a full court pass, balls tipped up, clock hit zero, and man, Darren Fox was in his bag looking like Peyton Manning out there. I feel I know how uh, how Duke fans feel about the Christian Leitner shot. I mean, it was almost a picture of picture with Christian. It was, it was similar. It was a throw to the other side of the court. Was that a more a complicated catch, shot? Tur- was that a more I mean, difficult shot? Christian Leitner's was at literally he I think he set up at the free throw line, so at the end of the day it was a fr- I'm not comparing. At the end of the day it was a free throw line turnaround jumper for the win. Uh Harrison's was double, in the corner. Double covered. Fall about away three. About as deep as you can get. And yeah, falling away to fall. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for the three. Yeah, and the, he was really double teamed too. I mean, Colin Sexton almost intercepted the pass, got there in enough time to really put his hands up and contest the shot. I, I think uh, you were saying that you guys were were calling for a foul up there in the in the uh, media row for, yeah, for that cou- shot. A couple of us up there thought that initially. Like I, I heard, just I was watching the play and I just heard out of out of you know, I can't remember who said it. I think it was James Ham uh, just said that's a foul. That's a foul. That's foul. That's foul. That's foul. foul. That's foul. And that Harrison got got touched, and it no call, obviously. And it's weird being in an empty arena because in Golden One Center, you just can feel the energy of when the ball is even in the air. You just you can just yeah. feel it, like the the air leave the room, and uh, it just when the ball went through, it just didn't. I was truly shocked. I could not believe the ball actually went in. Uh, it took me like a moment to actually process the fact that the Kings won the game because there's no crowd noise. Like it was like delayed crowd noise. So uh, the TV broadcast, like I was telling you, probably was a lot better to watch it on. Mm-hmm. Um, the optics of like the fake crowd noise were probably way better because it's not that loud when you're you know too mm-hmm. you go to the game. It's not that loud. Well, and it's so. also a little awkward. Uh, shout out Morgan Reagan. You saw her her uh, reaction on Twitter to to the shot when it happened. She like looks around and is like, like there's what do no we do? One, you can't high five anyone. You can't yep. really yell because there's like under thirty people in the building. So your yell would like echo throughout the it would just be awkward. It's very awkward. Yeah. And it's gonna be something that <laughs> it think, really tests your professionalism. Yeah, it's going to be something I think that doesn't get better oh, no. as fans come back too because you're gonna be in those pods and uh, it's just it's it's fun to embrace like other fans and other people when yeah. a big moment happens, and especially strangers. You know, especially you strangers. Give high, stranger high five. The, it's like, man, classic. I was so in the moment. I gave that random dude a high five. Dude, that random little kid a high five. That beer was, that just got sprayed all yeah. over the back of my head. I'm just gonna give the guy a high yep. five that yep. that dropped the beer because we were having a good time. Yep. Buzzer beater. I mean, what's better than a buzzer beater? Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Wait, quick nothing. quick question before we we move on. Um, what is the quick best question? Ha- car wash. Have you seen quick wash? Sponsor us. Quick question. Car quick wash. quack. Car wash. Quick quack. Quick question. Car wash. Quick quack. Quick question. Car wash. Question. Anywho, what <laughs> sponsor us? Quick uh, quack. Car wash. Uh, what is a buzzer beater you've seen in person? Do you have one that is like your favorite? Yes. Um, is it the same one that we were at together? I think so. Yeah. I mean, the Demarcus one really sticks out against Phoenix, where it bounced off the back of the rim twice. That was sick. Um, Wait, were you not at the bogey game? 
I was, oh, yeah. Uh, was I at the bogey game? No, I wasn't at the bogey game. No. That's mine. Was I? It was, I don't think so. Cause it was, it's it was really my, sad. I can't even remember. It was remember. 18, 18, 19. I think you I were think no so. longer with the Kings. I don't think I was. I might have been. I really, I honest to God, can't remember. I think bogey's mine, but the, the bogey one is a good one, I don't think I was too. home. I don't think I, I, or I don't think I was at the arena for that. No. Mine's bogey. That's a great one. Just That's wondering. a great one. Um... Yeah, no, I'm going to go with the DeMarcus one. That was a good one, too. I was at that one as well. But um, the Kings are playing really well. We're Shout out to everyone who was at Tyreek at the Horn. Yeah, but I, if you're at that one, man, that's you on your deathbed, you'll probably think about that one. I went to one. a lot of random Kings games. That was not one of them. That was a, real, that was a classic one. I mean, deathbed's a little dramatic. Uh, <laughs> anywho, uh, anything else you want to talk about before we go talk to Matt Boogie George? <sighs> no, um, I think that's kind of it. I mean, we, we, we cover a good amount of stuff with our talk with Matt. I thought it was a really good talk. Also, stay till the end uh, for a very heated, passionate discussion about movie theater etiquette. Um, Frankie and, and Matt have a lot of... A lot of good takes on those. Yeah. I, was, I, I, I learned a lot from that conversation. I think you guys open. will too. Movie theaters are open. If you enjoy the movie theater, uh, let us know what your experience was like. But without further ado, our interview Boogie! Matt Boogie George. We are back with Matt George here, the former host of uh, Friday Night Football here on KHGK, a personal favorite of mine. Uh, we need to go back in the archives and... Uh, and, and make those come back to surface. Uh, Matt has been a writer here at KHK.com for, for several years now, uh, covering the Sacramento Kings, Sacramento Republic, uh, Oakland A's, a bunch of stuff. And uh, Matt is a, a good personal friend of, of me and Frankie. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing well, guys. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on with you. Thank you for uh, for having me. Very excited about the Return of the Roar pro- podcast coming to KHDK. I think it's awesome. Uh, I, I I don't know about bringing back some of the archives of the Friday Night Football <laughs> show, but, man, we had some fun on that show back oh, in the gosh. day. It's just, Shout it's out not, Chuck, man. I'm, I miss him, man. I miss him every day. But I, I, I it's, it is nice to actually have – football back in terms of high school football yeah, even though that's true yeah they just started back up a couple weeks ago being played in march which i don't know if we'd ever figured we'd get but uh weird times weird times very all the weird time. times very weird times for the sacramento kings who have had a very up and down season uh right now is a very a very big up uh the kings have won six of their last seven have won four straight uh, Matt, the the trade deadline just passed last week. How are you feeling about the team right now? Well, I pride myself on being an optimist, as both of you guys know, and I actually want to get your kind of sense on this because I, I said going into the All Star break that we've sat through much worse seasons than this, right? Like we've been through a lot of crap over the fifteen years. This is a good season. This is a good, yeah. Mm-hmm. But this season has exhausted me. With the ups and downs going back to the great start and then the bad stretch and then the really good stretch where they won like eight out of nine or something like that and then they lose eight straight or whatever nine, it was. Nine, nine, nine straight. Nine. It's just the ups and downs. We didn't hit a Houston. We didn't hit a 20. That's right. That would have actually that been impressive. Oof. Well, some fans would have wanted that yeah. based off of how this draft is shaping up. But regardless, the ups and downs this year have been so exhausting to where – I'm expecting almost, and this is like a Carmichael Dave style of thinking that I want to get out of, but I'm almost expecting it not to last. I'm ex- Okay, when is the drop-off? We've been climbing this roller coaster yep. where are we at the apex? Do we still have a little bit to go? And when do we plummet back down to reality? Now, I'm hoping that's not the actual case, uh, and, and something just does feel different about this team right now. 
But based off of how this year has gone, yeah. I mean, it feels like it's been six months and it's only been like three. Just based off how this year has gone, I don't know what is the Kings and what isn't. Yeah, this year in some ways feels longer than last year. Absolutely. <laughs> which, absolutely. Which, uh, yeah, which is absolutely insane. I definitely know what you mean. Um, I just think the team right now, I, I, I think Luke Walton said it earlier in the season as well. Like the team's probably not as bad as the nine game losing streak, but they're not as good as their whatever, X-game winning streaks that they go on. Right, but we can't get to the middle. It's no, either exactly. A or B. Yeah, they have not found that middle. I feel like that could be – that's what I'm anticipating the rest of the season is a lot of 500 basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, some some two-game win streaks followed by some two-game losing streaks and just kind of eventually finding well, finding if, a middle. If you look at the schedule, and I can't remember who said it on Twitter, but if you look at the schedule and you, you, want, you don't want to get your hopes up, you know, maybe you should avoid looking at it because the schedule from – the games we have remaining left, it looks favorable, but then again with the Kings, what is actually yeah, favorable? Yeah, scares the crap out of me. Uh, what is actually favorable with them? I know there's a lot of teams that are going to play down the stretch who are sitting out. Oklahoma City, they're sitting out. Al Horford, uh, they're going to play. I can't remember if we haven't played yet either. We haven't down played the stretch. Minnesota twice. Minnesota twice, and they just got Cat back, but uh, they get the Denver games out of the way already. They play the Lakers this week with no LeBron and no AD. It's just, it's hard not to be excited Overly excited, I guess, is the right way to put it. But uh, you have to wonder if the sobering game, the sobering 25-point loss is coming soon. And they have two games this week against San Antonio, who are above them in the standings. And uh, they don't play very well in San Antonio. I don't know if you guys remember what happened last year in San Antonio when they blew yeah. that eight-point lead with about a minute that remaining. That could have been a big turning point. Yeah. Right. And I do, like you, to your point, Frankie, I don't know if I'm more confident by games against "Quote unquote better opponents, or if I'm uh, if I'm less confident, because I mean we're one Harrison Barnes miracle jump shot game winner away from talking about how bad of a loss it would have been to the Cleveland Cavaliers, yeah. a classic trap game. Like that was a classic trap game to where we know the bane of this team has been playing to the level of their competition, regardless of who's on this team. This has been a problem for the last decade." playing to the level of of their competition. So if Harrison Barnes doesn't make that shot, we're coming in here today going, man, what a wasted opportunity for the Kings who really can't afford to drop winnable games, especially at home for the remainder of this season. But, I mean, if they can find a way to split these matchups against San Antonio, just get one. Find a way. I think the next eight-game stretch, you have the Bucks, you have the Lakers, you have... Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans. There's also some winnable games in there, like the Pistons, and I think you get um, the Timberwolves, like you mentioned mm-hmm. as well. Like during that eight game mm-hmm. stretch, if you can just find a way to to go four and four, you could. I see a path to, to uh, five and three, depending upon what version of the Lakers, what version of the um, the the Bucks that you get, but. Overall, if you can just find a way to take a, pick a stretch of games and find a way to just split them. If, I think if the Kings play 500 basketball from here on out, that'll be enough to make the play-in tournament. Now, if they play a stretch of a little bit above 500, there's a chance for them, honestly, to sneak into an 8th seed. I'm not predicting it, certainly not predicting it, but they're only three games back of the 8th seed. They're yeah. three and a half games Math- back of the 7th seed right now. Mathematically, they're, they're, they're right in it, whether people like it or not. And that's kind of like been the conversation. Half of the Kings fan base is really happy about the fact the Kings are winning games. Half are upset and more kind of jumping over to the side of the fence of, okay, let's win and see what happens because there's no other choice. They are mathematically in the race. They are knocking on the door of 10, as we know, and 8 and 7, not probably not 7, but 
It's within reach. With what are they, the like games, four games back right now of Dallas? About, about four and a half. Yeah. yeah. Who's in seven right now? Yeah. That's that's doable. I mean, especially if the Kings keep... I mean, if if they actually outplay their their poor opponents, I've, which, you know, I, to their credit, I will say, I looked. I was watching uh, some of the highlights of, of the past week, and they really... They beat Cleveland's ass that first game, and they it took them a minute, but they eventually beat Golden State's ass in, in, in the game against Golden State, and... That's something that the Kings weren't doing. It's just absolutely blowing out teams that they should be beating. But and I also think too, going back to the Cleveland game, like there are a couple of anomalies in this game. First off, barely scoring a hundred points. That's that's yeah. not gonna happen yeah. too no, often yeah. for the Sacramento Kings. They shot like twenty three or twenty four percent from three point range as a team. That's not gonna happen too often. One thing that can't happen if the Kings want to be successful, as good as De'Aaron Fox was, and he finished with like what, thirty six or something like that, yeah, but he scored seventeen of it in the fourth quarter. Like what can't happen is the next highest scorer, I think, had sixteen. And and, and yeah, then was there was like 16 for Rashawn Holmes, yeah. and then Tyrese had 13, and then Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes both. No, Harrison Barnes had 13. It's a lopsided box score for sure when you look at it. It was uh, Fox 36, Barnes 16, Tyrese 13, and then after that you just have Rashawn and Buddy with 10. Uh, the bench only scored 15 points. Right, and a lot of that had to do with three out of the four bench players that played were all new. Yep. So they, they need to take some time to, to work themselves into the system, so that's going to be an adjustment as well. But the Kings can't get away with Fox scoring 30 and everybody else being in the mid-teens at best. They need another, they need either two 15-plus point scorers or one, at least another 20-plus point score yeah, if the Kings are going to be successful. I completely agree, and I have no arguments with that. But how fun is it right now to watch De'Aaron Fox score 35 a game? He's unstoppable. Like he's, and a lot of it is starting with his outside shot. Like if De'Aaron Fox can hit his outside shot at a 36, 37 percent clip Average. to where you have to respect it, you can't do anything about it. All you can do is step back, still give him that shot, and hope that he misses. And that's what you're, we're seeing teams do right now. And he's not missing. De'Aaron weaves his way through defenses better than I've uh, I've seen in a long time. Uh, he's one of the things we talked about this morning when I was hosting uh, the Carmichael Dave show with with Jay Mars this morning is we talk about De'Aaron's improvement as a shooter, right? We talk about his improvement slowly as a as a defender and also a free throw shooter. But De'Aaron has done done a much better job of being able to finish in traffic and finish through contact, and that's something that like going back to his his rookie season and even his sophomore season. He was not as good around the rim as he is now with taking that bump and still finishing through it. And half the time he gets the whistle, half the time he doesn't, but the shot is still falling regardless. And I think that's a major improvement for his game. I think he learned a thing or two from Harrison Barnes, who is the king of taking a bump and making it look like he's just running through paper. Steamrolling. And yeah, it happened in the final closing moments the other night. The body control on that deer and fox and one where I don't know how the hell he got that to go, but... Uh, he's done it. We see it happen more than once. That wasn't just you know a one in a million. De'Aaron does that pretty often you know, on occasion, not often on occasion, but often. And the body control with De'Aaron is the main reason why he's getting to the line. He knows how to get those calls. He knows how to kind of finagle his way into those situations and get to the line because he's one of the top ten guys in the league in free throw attempts. And over the last ten games, he hasn't been a sixty five percent free throw shooter. He's no. been up almost eighty percent. I think it's seventy nine. Uh, don't quote me. I checked a couple days ago. He, he's he's also done a lot better job of learning how to take bumps without completely sacrificing his body. Because I can't. I mean, how many times did we see De'Aaron Fox falling to the floor like he was Gerald Wallace his first couple of seasons, and he paid for it with some bumps and bruises. Now Fox still gets contact. He's met by the trees at the rim, but he's turning his body, adjusting his momentum. I don't know. I'm a non-athlete trying to describe yeah, he, it. He's good at falling, which is that the, that's yeah, like the best way we can put it. He knows how to take a bump. If, I yeah, went if he's a wrestler. last Saturday. Let me tell you. 
falling is a skill. It really <laughs> is. Like if you can learn how to fall and not take injury, it's it's well, you see, it's something in, you should take pride in. Football. In. I mean, every sport really. Baseball. I mean, there's a bunch of sports where you have to know how to fall. You have to know how to land the proper way because right. if you put your hand out, you know, there's ways that I'm sure that coaches that are smarter than any of us and that know how to phrase it correctly that they teach a player whatever sport fall without putting your hand out so you don't hurt your wrist or fall so you don't hurt your back that's what just knee. happened in Lamelo ball is he he yeah. fell awkwardly and you know he, he plays a little bit and he was a little out of control on the play that he, he got hurt on but he ended up falling on his wrist and, and that's how, uh, it's the same thing that happened Chimezi to Tyrese, Tyrese. Yeah. 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 that's the same thing yeah. that's the scariest part when De'Aaron players like that go to the hole that much uh, when you fall and you put your hand out like that to support yourself that's what scares me the most but it looks like that never is a problem with him um, so again, impressed if he can get to the line as much as he's been getting to the line, and more impressive that he's not getting hurt. I mean, as far as we know, he has a couple of bumps and bruises that they don't always talk about. That's natural in the game of basketball. But uh, knock on wood, he's been healthy. He's been very. You see him this getting year. big after the game too. Yeah, I putting see him up four fifty right after the game. I mean, yeah, he wasn't benching. For Just don't hurt yourself, sir. Yeah. But no, he's he's. Incredible, and, and I asked uh, Jason. He's only twenty three, man. He's getting, I know, and he's not even crazy. sniffed his prime yet. Uh, I asked just uh, I asked Jason Jones this from the Athletic on the Locked On Kings podcast on Friday when I had him on. Uh, I chatted with him about like what is the biggest difference that he sees with De'Aaron? Because going back to the bubble, like there was a there was a transition between last season De'Aaron Fox and bubble De'Aaron Fox, and then coming into this season, he's built upon it, and he was building upon it well when he won his what I believe will be his first rook, or, uh, player of the week award. He bet win player of the week again in the yeah, western geez. conference if he doesn't it's a it's a shambles but and then he got hurt and then he missed a couple of games and he was slowly starting to build back now he's gotten to this this point and i asked jason like what is the biggest difference that we're seeing it's not just a lot of they like to use the term the game is really slowing down for him and that's i get it but also i think it's a bit overused and jason said the biggest difference he sees is just fox is being aggressive fox is almost playing not necessarily angry but fox i'm watching fox play and he's playing right now like he knows nobody can stop him he plays with a swagger of confidence where he makes it look so easy. I commented during not the Cleveland game, but the Warriors game when he scored 44. I was like, is the is the man sweating? Like, he, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. look like he's sweat. He's just so smart and cerebral with how he attacks right now. And yeah. that's what's made it so cool. That's a great point, because the thing that I've noticed, especially in the past, I don't know. It's fine. That's that's Matt with his Jamba Juice. It's fine. It's, it's no problem. It's no problem. Uh, is I mean, it seems as if he's almost waiting for the fourth quarter not not i mean not that he's not being aggressive but clearly in the fourth i mean we saw it the other day against cleveland with his 20 points in the fourth i think he's starting to really see like i can if i can just have more energy than guys in the fourth quarter they're going to be gassed and i'm the fastest guy on the court and that's that's a legitimate weapon and he's really weaponizing his speed well and frankie he he's 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 taking over games in the fourth quarter like a superstar does. Like that's that's what stands out to me is De'Aaron Fox is doing what a superstar on a winning team does. It's like when it's winning time, all right, get on my back. Like that's what I noticed. Yeah, yeah it hasn't just been one game. We've like I've put on Twitter a million times fourth quarter Fox, fourth quarter Fox because it happens so often. He so oftenly when the Kings need someone to come through in the end of the game, he comes through. And that's something I've told Matt. I'm sure I've told you and you too, Chris that. The Kings have lacked a guy to take over in the fourth. They've lacked it since Boogie was here, really. And uh, De'Aaron does it in a way that it was it's something he hasn't been doing over the first couple of years of his career, knocking down those jumpers, knocking down those threes, getting to the line. It's just something that you can tell it's all part of his growth as a as a star player. 
And I, I think the closing lineup also plays a big factor into that. If you look at the success that that closing lineup has had, that's now their starting five, the Fox, Halliburton, Heald, uh, Rashawn Holmes of the five, Harrison Barnes of the four. That lineup statistically has been solid all season long. It's been the starting lineup, mainly lineups, no disrespect to Marvin, but it's been lineups featuring Bagley and uh, healed at the same time. Like two of the arguably worst defenders in the NBA on the floor at the same time is a disaster. And it's struck the Kings bad, not to mention the lack of bench depth that this team has had. But when De'Aaron Fox and that closing lineup are on the floor to close out a game that is either winnable or the Kings have the lead, we see it's really effective because they work really well together. Fox can hit an outside shot or he can attack the basket. And with the exception of Rashawn Holmes, who can hit a three himself, you have to keep an eye out on the perimeter. You don't want the ball kicking out to Harrison Barnes with how good he's playing this season. You don't want the ball kicking out to Buddy Heald based off reputation alone. And Tyrese Halliburton is sitting, shooting what? 41% from yeah. three, I think. And he's like 60% in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like it's like, it's, there's so many weapons around him, and Fox has done a really good job of maximizing that. I'm waiting to see, though, with the emergence of this Fox-Tyrese Halliburton backcourt, we've seen Halliburton's assist numbers kind of plummet. I'm waiting to see him figure out, okay, how can I still be this good fit next to Fox where I can take the ball out of Fox's hands, but I can still be an effective distributor like I was off the bench. I'm wondering when Tyrese is going to figure that part out. Well, and I'm also curious what that does for De'Aaron's game as well, because Mm -hmm. I don't see any reason why De'Aaron Fox can't be just as effective of an off-ball player as he has as an on-ball player. Especially right now, the way he's playing. And I think you were touching on it right there. I think the key to De'Aaron in the fourth is the fact that all four of those other guys know how they're going to get their buckets. Like, Buddy's going to, you know, they they, it's just a, a great lineup of, of guys who know their roles and it, it, nobody's trying to outstep it. And so De'Aaron can, can fill and take over whenever he needs. And, uh, and it's not stepping over anybody else. Can I, can I ask you guys a question really quick? Absolutely. I was a little underwhelmed with the trade deadline because I, I wanted to see Bagley moved or I wanted to see Buddy Heald moved, although I expected Buddy wasn't going to be moved. The Kings were extremely active, but it just wasn't the biggest, most eye-popping moves. But the one thing that I love that we got out of the trade deadline is a clear direction. Monty McNair, the Kings... They're going for the play-in tournament, and that's it. And that almost gave me a sense of relief of, okay, it's no more playing in the middle here of, do we try and finish with a, uh, we being the Kings, do they try and finish with a best odds at a top draft pick, or do they try and go for it? What side are they going to pick? The Kings made that very clear. That's a relief to me knowing, okay, I know what the clear direction is for the Kings, and I know how to approach the remainder of the season. Winning is all that matters for this team at this point. That was a relief to me. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think I told you the same thing, Chris, just how we were wondering the same thing. Is Harrison going to get moved? After a while, we got this sense consensus that it wasn't going to happen. And right. Buddy, we never really figured that was going to happen just because of his contract alone. But uh, we figured Marvin or a move like that where we could have brought in, I think the Aaron Gordon deal was when we we, we talked to someone about that they Maybe. thought the Kings might get into that. But uh, ultimately, bringing in these guys like Delon Wright, Mo Harkless, guys with experience, Terrence Davis, who uh, you know he'll provide a boost off the bench. They make the team better because the biggest problem with the Kings so far has been their bench. They've had no one on the bench except for Tyrese Halliburton this season who can help out that second unit with scoring. And now with Tyrese in the starting lineup, you're bringing over a guy like Delon Wright who was having a career year, and it makes the team that much better. And that's what my thought was too when they made that trade. Oh, they're going for it. They're gonna. They're not selling at all. Because I didn't think a DeLon Wright move was going to be followed by them trading Buddy. That wouldn't make much sense because 
that's that's a huge subtraction mm-hmm. and, and a subtraction because of the fact that you're adding on money with DeLon Wright. So losing Buddy and adding DeLon Wright doesn't really help the team in the long term, especially the fact that DeLon Wright is 30. So that makes almost 30. So that makes it pretty clear it's a win now move. And that's something I'm okay with because our window, as far as age goes, with this group right here, Rashawn Holmes is 27, Buddy Heald is 28, Harrison Barnes is 28. De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese are young. They're going to be here for a while. If you want to win now at this group while you have De'Aaron Fox on this contract, don't want to waste years, why not go for it right now? Yeah, I think uh, I agree with Matt. I think the, the way that I felt the word was underwhelmed. It was just, I mean, it wasn't sexy, but I think the team got better. And I think uh, it was everything you said. I think the the bench getting better is is important for the team to really try and realistically compete for this play-in tournament. Say what you will about you know, why we should do that. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I think it was underwhelming. I, I think that's the thing. There that, was no guarantee. I just, yeah, I just there was think, no guarantee we were going to get a top five pick. There was no point. They're too good. There's also no point, and, and it's been said, but there's no point in selling Barnes and Heald just for the sake of selling Barnes and Heald. Uh, you would have risked, you really would have given up on this season just for nothing. Well, to me, Monty McNair's grade as a GM and his first trade deadline is still major to be determined, and a lot of it has to do with what the Kings decide to yeah. do here in this offseason. To me, number one priority is finding a way to resign Rashawn Holmes. I don't know what his value is going to be. I don't even know how many teams the Kings are going to be bidding against. There's not a lot of money available mm-hmm. for a lot of teams, let alone bigs are, are in the modern NBA, bigs are, are pretty undervalued. Yeah. So um, I don't know what kind of money Rashawn Holmes is going to get. But in a way, if you are not able to extend Rashawn Holmes, get him the money that he wants, say that he takes from another team because of that DeLon Wright deal, that doesn't look too good for Monty McNair. Although I don't think that's going to be the case. I will say... Another top priority for the Kings this offseason, to me, is finding a way to move on from Marvin Bagley. Finding some, and not just doing it for rags. I'm pretty confident in believing that the Kings got offers for Marvin Bagley at this deadline, but they were probably trash. And I appreciate McNair for sticking to his guns the same way he stuck to his guns with Harrison Barnes. Like, we're not trading this guy unless we're blown away. The Kings value Marvin Bagley as a, a, a. getting at least a first round pick in return. I don't know if he's ever going to get that, but maybe you could get a solid player for him. So there's uh, there's definitely question marks there, but if the Kings can find a way to get off of uh, Marvin Bagley's $11 million, I think that would be a huge win this well, offseason. On the Rashawn front, my thought process is he obviously he was probably the most it would have brought back the best return as far as an asset. Uh so I I'm just wondering is it possible that maybe Holmes reached out to or, uh, McNair reached out to Holmes representatives and said, Hey, we're thinking about moving you, but we want you to be here long term. Is there a mutual interest? This is what we're thinking. Is that something that could have been possible? I, I mean, think that's tampering. I'm not in Is that tampering though? That He's on a contract. Yeah, it's you I can think you can have conversations about. but not agreements. Basically. Not agreements. Yeah, I'm just okay. saying it's all hypotheticals of sports. It's all hypotheticals. Hypothetically we might move you, but hypothetically, we don't want to move you if you're going to be here. Well, I hypothetically, what, are you interested? I thought what was really con- uh, con- or, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, encouraging was when talking to Jason Jones about this exact thing. Jason Jones said he would be shocked personally if Rashawn Holmes wasn't back with the Kings next season. He so loves it here. The expectation is that Rashawn Holmes will come back, and I don't think this trade lo- deadline had to do too much with that. But then the problem is, if you do extend Rashawn Holmes but don't move on from this money, you are capping yourself off a, of at what? At best, a 
seventh seed or sixth seed, and that's for a guy who wants flexibility, like Monty McNair has told us yeah. about, that doesn't sound ideal to him. So I think either Buddy Heald or Marvin Bagley or both might be moved this offseason, and I think at least one of them has to move. I would expect both. I would expect both, too. But um, probably getting down to the end of Matt's time here. Was that yeah. question you want to ask him real quick? So, Matt, I was listening to you and Jay this morning, Uh-oh. and I was going – I was we were honestly just going to bring you on and, and ask you about this because I really felt like you could, with between the two of you, go on for a full segment about this. Movie theater etiquette. Oh. So, Matt, do you want to go ahead and just put the pre I was listening this morning God, to, to your yeah, story. So, but, my wife and I were huge. My wife. My wife I, I heard my you wife. Do, do say my wife this morning, and I yelled it from <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, Jay's not really up on that joke yet. We'll, we'll, <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll get, get him. him in slowly. We'll get, we'll get yeah. him into oh, it. Yeah. But, um... My wife and I love going to movies. We've, like, movie theater dates have always been our thing. And, and before towards the end of or towards the beginning of the pandemic over the last about five or six months before the pandemic uh, we started noticing that people were just really talkative at movie theaters like really talkative and it's like okay maybe it's just this theater that we're going to is kind of a younger crowd uh, whatever like you're so old yeah i know just a younger crowd <laughs> yeah. right Grandpa um, Matt. i'm 26 leave me alone uh we come back and we went to our first movie at a theater this last weekend and it was awesome to be back. We were super excited, but the experience was horrible. We had like a, a group of college age girls to our right that were talking, a, a lady in her like 40s or 50s that was alone who was talking to the movie. I don't know. I guess that's a thing. Dudes on their phones, dude, dude trying to impress his girlfriend by making jokes and smart ass oh comments. God. Like it oh, was horrendous. Guys. And I was just, I was wondering if just one, there's no excuse to not watch movies at home now because you can literally order them on demand. You don't even have to go to a theater anymore. And two, like, have we gotten to such a weird place as a society that we don't care now going out to a, a public place to watch a movie that we don't care about other people around us? Like, it just it people blew forgot my to mind. act. I think people forgot how to act. It the past blew year. my mind. I mean, I went to the movies over the weekend too. Wait, what did you see? Uh, we saw uh, Chaos Rising or Chaos something or another uh, with Tom uh, Holland and Daisy Ridley. I saw Nobody, the one with, with Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul, where he's like a he's like a retired hitman. It was awesome. Just like, go watch that if you like Better Call Saul. Was your experience or, or, bad though? No. So I had a road to myself. Uh, my girlfriend and we had a road to ourselves, and uh, oh, nice. I, I I thought it was a fun time. Uh, but I know, I know what you're talking about though. And I totally agree. I think people over the past year have forgotten how to act in those situations because normally in a movie theater, I haven't had too many situations. Like I remember when I was a kid though. And like my friends and I, we probably were those kids that were making noise and being really annoying. And I really hate myself for doing oh, that. And I never would now because I love the movie theaters. Uh, like you, Matt, I yeah. love going to the movies. I love, I, I mean, I figured that, that the pandemic would kind of set those people aside. People that love to go to the movies because they love cinema and going to like the theater and the experience opposed to those who are just going because they're bored yeah. and like, they don't give a damn. Uh, well, but I'm not okay with any of that stuff. No, well, I, I need to be quiet. There's also a difference too. Like if I go to a comedy with a bunch of people, I'm expecting a lot of laughter and joking and chatter based off of the jokes. Like that's you kind of get same thing with like a horror movie. I love going to horror movies with a full theater. It's almost it's, an experience. It, like it's, seeing a quiet place. Or, yeah, yeah. Oh my seeing god! Seeing a quiet oh, yeah. place in theater when people were afraid to eat their popcorn. I couldn't even take it. I was going to say, I couldn't like, even take it a bite was, of a popcorn. It, it makes the experience so much. Yeah. Seeing it, the first it in theaters with all the jump scares. Seeing paranormal activity back in high school in a theater, like that's a, an incredible yeah. experience. But if I'm going to see generic action movie or even like a drama or something, that's like hearing dialogue is the purpose of the movie, and you're talking the entire well, time. I just want to kill you. 
Yeah, comedies, they put a pause after, like, certain funny parts because they expect you to laugh at right. that noise. And mo- serious movies, like dramas or whatever, like, they're, there's not – they don't yeah. have that relief, so you need to be so quiet. That's my get-off-the-lawn moment for that's the fun. day. I don't go to the movies that often. I, like – I'm more of a TV show guy, so I am more of a watch-at-home. I'm definitely – I know that I'm a talker during these things just because I think I'm hilarious. And so I like <laughs> to, like, every – especially during scary movies. I don't know if it's, like – from a kid, that's I kind of the vibe. You know though. how, like, when you're a kid and you're scared. Sometimes, I mean, I definitely don't do this anymore. But like, when you're scared, you like make jokes to try and yeah. like make it seem. I'm definitely not scared. I think that has just carried over, like, like See, through my the, life. In the so movie now, theater like, environment for scary movies, I, I'm cool I'm, with that. I'm okay. cool with right. that. Well, I generally try and I be quiet. I also I, get I'm like, I need, the, I need there to be some comedy. Yeah, there relief. Need, I, sometimes afraid. I just feel the tension in the theater is way too much, and I'm just like, let's let a little air out. But guys. it, it Come also on. Make it a also, fart noise or something. Yeah. <laughs> it also depends on the movie too. Like if it's a like a really really good thriller movie that has tension, but not necessarily just mindless horror, like um, Get Out or okay. um, great movie. Great. What, movie what is the other? Peel, um, uh, Annabelle. Uh, there, uh, was, us? Uh, there was us. Us. Yeah. us. Like yeah. those movies. Those are the ones. Like, you're, like, don't talk. Don't talk. Because those are really, really good, interesting, introspective thriller horror movies. Yeah, definitely. But if it's like Paranormal Activity or Chainsaw Massacre or something stupid like that, like hell yeah, talk. Who cares? It's going crazy. It's stupid. We're those here to have a good time. Because everyone's going. Cra- I remember Paranormal Activity. I was in high school, and everyone was going crazy for that one. Just screaming, Amazing. making the jokes. We all need it though, because everyone in the yeah. theater is afraid. I'm terrified. Uh, yeah, you need complete silence for Wait, like Fast and Furious. Last though. thing. What is yes. our <laughs> last last thing? Because I have a friend who has this. He hates it when you go to see. Like like Avengers or, or like a, a, a movie that's like a, a big one with crowds and people are excited and people cheer. Oh, yeah. How do we feel about cheering? I'm, I'm, see, I know to avoid opening night crowds for certain <laughs> things because I know that's how they're going to be. Like there are videos on YouTube of people watching the Avengers Infinity yeah. War, like in the big fight where everybody returns and oh my God, Black Panther's back. Yeah, and they're just, back. people love that scream, though. And that's it's like... awesome. Like that's their, <laughs> that's their reaction. It's a bunch of diehard fans and, and that's their reaction. The problem is, I can tell through the YouTube video, I can't hear a freaking word yeah, that they're saying. True. There's dialogue in yeah. that scene. I have no idea. They don't know what they said. That is a problem. I, I'm like, I like it when people kind of show a little emotion, but not too much. Like, I, I'd be cool with saving the clapping for the end. It's not a sporting event. <laughs> it's not a sporting event. I, I'm okay That's with clapping, but I'm, I'm okay yeah. with it if, if it's at the end. Because I have a friend for sure, yeah. who despised it with every fiber of his being, and I just want to get other, yeah. other input, so... I'm curious how you, because I'm always nervous. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big snack guy for for movies. Like, That's I'm fair. Putting That's things. So, but like rifling through, I'm always like, oh man, like I can't like oh, grab rapper. this. Oh, yeah, see, like the wrapper shaking too, and stuff. But like I sneak stuff into movie theaters all the time, including like canned soda. And oh. I'll be mid scene. Yeah. <laughs> And everyone like turns. Like, oh, what? Is it worse to just rip in. the? Ba- is it better to rip the? Oh yeah, just off? go go okay. go big. Because I'm go always in. like. Oh no, that's the worst. And that's it's, like it's that's like slowly like, yeah. getting into a pool. That's why no, you qu- just jump in. A quiet place. I should just oh, came see, in with I nothing. I should just walked in with nothing at all. Just like whatever. I must have to just be hungry for this one because oh. I every time it I was, took a yeah. bite of something, just <laughs> yeah. no. Yeah. A quiet place was one of my favorite movie experiences yeah. of all time. That's just awesome. people are terrified to make a sound. I like it. Well, that was the, the exact conversation I was hoping to get. Hey, so you know, Return of the Roar podcast is about not roaring during movie theaters. There we that, go. That's what it there is. There we go. Boom. Well, Put it on a shirt. <laughs> Thank you very shirt. much, Matt. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll definitely Check out have Locked you on, on Kings. Check, Check out Locked on Kings. Podcast. Check out everything Matt George Bring does. Bring back Friday Night Football. Bring back Friday Night Football. football. Follow Matt at Matt George Radio. Thank you very much, Matt. I hope you all enjoyed our conversation with Matt George. Uh, I hope you guys now know the proper etiquette and know that uh, 
you know, you're being watched when uh, when you're being noisy in the theater, okay? Matt, Matt George is not is not here for that, all right? I hate being shushed, by the way. It's a real pet peeve of mine. <laughs> but I don't ever put myself in a situation to get shushed. If people shush me, it's just because they're being – I think they're being rude. I feel I'm, that. No, I definitely feel that. Like I don't feel like I'm that much of an ass in the movie theater. But uh, thanks to Matt. And if you're in a movie theater, act right. be quiet. Just act right. That's all we just ask. Just be quiet. Um, we're not going to get out of here without doing our awards. I feel like it's been a while since we've done done some awards. So uh, without any further ado, let's let our man uh, DeMarcus Cousins, the original Boogie, uh, take over. I hope the world can see now what's really going on out here because it's getting ridiculous. It's really ridiculous. <laughs> you know what? I'm thinking about renaming this award. Uh, from we, King of the Week to, to, to the No, no. From King of the Week to the Deer and Fox King of the Week Ooh. Award. Uh, because really, I mean, if we're just going to see this or anything that looks even close to this for the rest of the season, I mean, we might as well, might as well just change, change the name of it because yeah. he's just going to continue to get it. If, if you're going to do anything like what, what we've seen for the past X amount of games, I mean, it, I'll got it for you right here. Give it to me. Four game winning streak. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez. Uh, four game winning streak. 36.8 points per game. 3.5 rebounds per game, 5.5 assists, 2.0 steals, 64% from the field. The man yeah, I mean, is a that's, menace. That's he some Rashawn Holmes stopped. stuff. <laughs> he cannot be stopped. Uh, obviously, he is our king of the week. Uh, De'Aaron Fox, man, just on another planet right now. Fun to watch. Like we talked about with Matt, just the guy is He's on another level. On. Legitimately, he is on another level. And people that had doubts about that max contract, which there was a lot of people, and you know, oh, who, yeah. you know who you are, that came out when they signed that deal and said, "Great, wow, that's a lot of money for be, such a young person." We're gonna be regretting that in like th- two, three years. Well, are we regretting it right now? Because he's twenty-three years old, and this isn't even a small sample size. Like four games, that's what he's been doing. That's great. But if you Do go the last further seven, back, I mean, they won six of their no, last I'll, seven. I'll do you one better. I'll put you back to the last 11 games. The last 11 games, 31.2 points per game. Huh? And, you know, Matt was talking about uh, player of the week, and in my head I was, I was like, you know, yeah, he really he doesn't get a lot of those. He probably should. But then it also made me think, what about player of the month? Like, is that is that too far out of? No. Uh, it's I think it's him and I mean, I'd assume... Luca, I think, is up for it, I believe. Um, it'll be tough, but... He, I mean, yeah, he'll be, it's he's sure be if the, there's still more games to be played if the Kings can win today and Wednesday uh, why not yeah why not no. 6-0 would be pretty crazy to, to, to turn down if he's averaging that many points per game but uh, De'Aaron Fox what a guy what a guy man very very glad he's our guy and that we have Kyle guy as well Kyle guy Kyle, a, Kyle guy a, who had a career high the other day against, uh, against Golden State that, that was, was a that showcase. was awesome to watch um, for our Coke machine of the week I'm sorry Man, ever since that episode of Jason, I keep messing this up. Our I think cola we, machine. I think we should get away with it. If, I mean, no one said anything it. yet. If anyone's going to report us, that's fine. Yeah. But, you know. uh, well, we're going to go with our, yes, our Coke machine of the week. Uh, this is on almost in memoriam, I guess, because, uh, well, I guess I shouldn't say in memoriam. It's dark. It sound like he's dead. It's, it's dark. He's, he's dead off this team now. Well, he's he's, dead, a, he's, he's a, dead to us. Um, Corey Joseph. Um, he, he, this is probably going to be his last attempt at getting a Coke Machine of the Week, and so we thought it it it'd be right for him to get it. Um, Corey Joseph's a very nice <laughs> what a, what a guy. Nice, what a nice thing for us to do. <laughs> a nice send off, you know. No, make sure he leaves with the. 
it's we're, it's an honorary Coke machine, not because of, of he played horribly or anything. He actually played pretty well, I think, in his last. Yeah. Oh, games. absolutely. Uh, the, I, I he, hope we remember Corey Joseph as a very may, nice guy. Maybe it's an honorary uh, Coke machine of the week from the D- Detroit fan base because ah. in his first game, Corey had a game ah. game winning layup attempt that he missed, but. Uh, not his fault. Not in his, his in his defense, I'm surprised he even got to the rim at that point. Yeah, he's that probably was, surprised. That was probably not the right play call. No, no, I'm not sure if that's what Dwayne wanted. Uh, Dwayne Casey, the head coach, wanted. But uh, Kojo, we appreciate what you gave to the fan base. The Kings players loved him. We appreciate obviously. what you gave to this show. We pre- we appreciate what you did to the show. Uh, the Kings players loved you. We uh, we'll miss you, and uh, thanks for what you did. Thank you, Kojo. Show's not going to be the same without you. It's not. We're going to miss you. All right, that's it. I just wanted to give him some silence right there at the end. Uh, for Frankie Cardicelli, I mean, that's that's all for me, uh, Chris Watkins. Thank you very much to Matt George for joining us. I hope everyone enjoyed that. I uh, hope everyone stays safe. You know, we're, we're, uh, we're looking like the weather's getting nice here in Sacramento. People are going to start coming out of the uh, coming out of their homes again. Let's uh, let's all try and remember to stay safe and uh, stay healthy. Go Kings, baby. Go Kings. Go Kings. Shout out, Pfizer. Out Pfizer.